So government gangsters, the deep state and its discontents. Talk to us. You kind of got into it a little before um, we went out the break. You really think they're gangsters, which means they're mobsters. They're worse. Worse. That's why I call them at least gangsters. That's the nice thing I could call them. Um, they are the ones that sign up to serve this country. And instead of doing that privilege, they seize it for their own egos and glorification and rob us of justice, of FBI, of DOD, of CIA, by weaponizing, by politicizing, by making it about themselves. And this is the first, and it's going to be the last book I write. I'm not doing this again. I've heard that. Um, <laughs> it took me a few months to write the book. It took me 10 months. The Biden administration tried to block the release of this manuscript. I had to go to federal court and sue them in federal court just to win the rights back to my words. Why would they want to block this book? Because I speak the truth. Because I probably call out more Republicans than Democrats in that Tell book. us some of the truth that you speak in government gangsters. I talk about the times that Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray weaponized DOJ against Congress. I talk about the times that the DOJ and FBI went to a federal court and lied, not just during Russiagate, but during other investigations. I talk about the FISA surveillance program that I defended as a national security prosecutor that Chris Ray violated 278,000 times in one year. That's just FBI DOJ. Then we go to DOD and talk about the defense industrial complex. Then we go over to the intelligence community where I was a deputy director and show how they continuously violated constitutional oversight by failing to give Congress the documentation of sensitive programs that they were constitutionally required to do so. I talk about bad actors like Gina Haspel and Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray and Mark Esper and I name probably 150 other ones in the back of the book. But most importantly, I think what I'm most proud of in Government Gangsters is I provide a solution to every single agency and department in this government on how we use all three levers, not just the executive and personnel, but Congress and budgeting, constitutional mm -hmm. oversight is a critical component of this. And also, the last check, the judiciary. We've seen judicial officers, judges, become weaponized proponents of personal agendas. They need to be impeached and removed, either at state or the federal level. And in the back of the book, I do, I take 215 pages and I condense into five pages of solutions for each and every division of government and agency and department. Look, I wish I didn't write a book called Government Gangsters. I wish, you know, as my friend Bruce pointed out, it's no longer the deep state. <laughs> They're out in the public. They're everywhere. They're so indifferent and callous to serving this country because they want to serve their own egos. It was time for me to put this thing together. And so it goes on. It, it releases in a week. Finally, the Biden administration lost to us. And you got to understand or you got to ask yourself, what didn't they want you to hear? And they were concerned about, oh, we needed to look at redactions. They redacted less than 0.05% of that book. And the redactions were the same five words 10 times over. And, it, and it was laughable. I looked at my attorneys and we said, that's, that's the redaction? I got the Baghdadi raid in there. I talk about hostage rescue operations. I talk about DOD, Jan 6, defending this country, the no-fail mission, and how all of it should be apolitical. And they wanted to... Tell, tell us about Jan 6, your, your conclusions on it. You know, I put the receipts in that book for everybody because instead of just me as being chief of staff on Jan 6 telling you what happened, I put the DOD timeline. I put the Capitol Police timeline. I put Mayor Bowser's letter. I put Nancy Pelosi's own words. Because on January 6th, our mission... The President of the United States, Trump, two days beforehand, gave us authorization for the National Guard, and it was rejected by Pelosi and Bowser. And the American people needs to understand that. Whatever your feelings are on Trump, it's just like Russiagate. Half of America thinks Donald Trump's a Russian asset because they were lied to for five years. Half of America doesn't know what happened on January 6th, and we need to correct the record and educate them, not because I think I should decide who they vote for, but because our government is failing to give America 
the evidence that they need to make adjudications at the polls on all of these cases, on the Trump indictments, on what have you, whatever's coming next, on the failures of the Biden administration, the Iran deal, whatever else is coming. You know, you mentioned Ron Rosenstein so many times in this conversation. Why? Uh, I wish I didn't. Uh, he was the one that threatened us during Russiagate. He was the one that signed off on the unlawful sur surveillance of senior congressional staffers for doing their job. He was the one that signed the most bogus FISA warrant against Donald Trump. It, that warrant was rescinded by the federal courts. That has never happened before in U.S. Fisk history. So I, I, I highlight him not because I have any personal animosity against that guy, but how are individuals like that continuing to operate? And if you want to know how bad the deep state is, it was Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray together with Gina Haspel uh, during a lot of the Russiagate stuff. Do you know where Rod Rosenstein and Gina Haspel now work? At Chris Ray's old law firm in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a coincidence? One of the major themes in my book is there are no coincidences in government. They look for out for themselves in government and after government and put the American people behind all of that. You get a chance to ask the question. Well, I believe that the underlying uh, source here is a pandemic of constitutional illiteracy. Mm -hmm. The Constitution was built on the idea that men and women are scoundrels and you need separation of powers, pitting ambition against ambition, uh, not believing that you needed to have Jesus Christ for this to work. It's totally broken. Mm -hmm. And I can't come back. The culprit is Congress. Congress does nothing to oversee. Yeah. So what do you, we have secret government, abuses of power, Congress sits there. I mean, just the idea that they would subpoena and surveil members, where's the speech or debate clause? Right. I remember when they were going into a, a, a congressman's office and, and the FBI and running through his legislative files. The speech or debate clause, why are you defending that? There was hearing because no members knew what the speech or debate clause defense was about. It was designed to give Congress a shield from executive intimidation. They could do whatever they wanted. And part of the reason why this continues to flourish is because the American people's civics is not taught anymore. Nobody You're knows right. anything about the Constitution. I mean, it's truly stunning. I mean, I just wrote something that the two senators trying to get the unredacted versions of the information we got on Saudi Arabia complicity in 9-11. So they'd say, well, we may issue a subpoena. I said, don't you know? You have your own rule. You can declassify it yourself. Frank Church did it. Can. It's under Senate Resolution 400. We, we did it in yeah, Russia. Right, it's okay. in the book. So what's going to do? You don't even know what your powers are. And this cannot be changed unless the entire culture is right. acclimated and instructed in the Constitution belongs to all the American people. It's not just an obligation of the officers to uphold, but you as well. You need to be vigilant and kick people out of office and demand they be impeached if they're not upholding their job. You believe there's made-up domestic terrorism. I believe there's a massive misuse of that label. I used to prosecute terrorists and domestic terrorists. And now this application of that, and it's an enhancement that we're seeing on against a lot of the January 6th defendants. And while some of them do deserve that and some of them committed heinous acts and need to be in prison, that is a label that can double, triple, quadruple your sentence. And some of these judges are misapplying it. And the fact that the DOJ is asking it goes to what the heart of the matter in government gangsters. Chris Ray has gone to Capitol Hill and lied to Congress in saying domestic violent terrorism is on the rise. But what we found out from our brave whistleblowers is they took cases from the Midwest that had nothing to do with January 6th, labeled them domestic violent terrorism cases, transferred them to D.C. so that they could increase the statistics mm. that Chris Ray reports to Congress and say Donald Trump supporters are domestic violent terrorists. They want to politicize it. And as Bruce was saying, 
It is an education lift. Too much of this country has mailed it in for the last two decades. They need to re-educate re themselves, and that's part of the reason why I wrote this book. My book's not the only book. You gotta go out and read everything out there. But it's my, my commitment to the American public to be better educated on how the levers of Congress, the executive branch, and judiciary work so you can act and but make them work for one you. One thing your book ties everything back to, which we cannot talk about enough, is the military-industrial complex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are, and I, and, I, and I put it in government gangsters, I think they are the epitome of government gangsters and their cretins. They are worse than every lobbyist on K Street taken together. That's why we're in Ukraine. <laughs> and that is why we're in the Ukraine. That is why we're talking about continuing to fund uh, operations in Syria. That's why we're continuing to indirectly fund Iraq. That's why we'll probably go back to Afghanistan. That's a prediction I made. I think tragically, because Al-Qaeda is on the rise, we're going to be back in those places. And do you know who makes money every time there's a war or a conflict? The defense industrial complex. And the problem is the people that go into leadership at DOD are given their golden parachutes in the defense industrial complex before they exit. So they say, oh, yeah, the big five, you know, the big defense industrial firms, yeah, they make money and they go in and buy people ahead of time. They've mastered the game. I'll give you an example. Lockheed. They make the F-35. They make one part of the F-35 in all 50 states of the United States of America so that no one senator or congressman will shut down their funding because wow. they will be hurting jobs in their own states. Yeah. That is the defense industrial complex that nobody wants to take on. We took it on in part, but it needs a big facelift. One of the things that I find fascinating and just makes you so credible in your book about government gangsters is that there's really nothing to differentiate between Republicans and Democrats at a certain level. Not in the swamp. No. no. Not in the swamp. And that's why I say I'll probably make more Republican enemies. And you know me, I'm a conservative. Then I do Democrats. I probably name more Republicans. You look at the defense budget, 100% Democrats and Republicans alike. They're all in, they're all in, in the same game. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I um, mean, talk to the members up there. When, when the defense comes over and tries to sell a weapon system, all the members look at how many jobs in my district. That's, That's the beginning in. They don't ask whether it works, whether it's vulnerable and could be destroyed. If, in, if you get jobs in my district, I vote for it. There's no oversight. The Pentagon itself has never survived an audit. Can you imagine putting $6 trillion into a company that couldn't have its books audited? You'd say, yeah. that's crazy, Can and you, that's what we do every year. But how about, how about <laughs> a sensitive program that tossed $2 billion to undertake, and then you watch it explode in the sky, and no one knows about it because it's classified, and then they get to do it all over again? And what about the $6 billion aircraft? Yeah. Right. What do we need aircraft carriers for? Who is fighting these wars? We're not going to invade mainland China. That's just not how warfare, it's not World War II. It's not Vietnam. No. It is a different game. And we are building the USS Ford at the tune of like four and a half billion plus right now as an aircraft carrier. We, yes, we have show of force, but we got nuclear submarines. We got to get better in space. We have to get better in, um, in, in our artificial intelligence collection platforms. And we have to get better in, in and over the ocean. Um, but not with ginormous aircraft carriers. We're not going to dock them off the coast of Taiwan and go support the Chinese invasion. Yeah, I mean, the battlefield is moving to cyber, you know, and no, we're still right. fighting it, you know, as, as though it's the 16th century. This is ridiculous. But it's jobs. It's billions. Yeah. You know what yeah, one of these is, ships costs? It is. It's jobs, yeah. It's, it's the defense industrial complex. Yeah, that is exactly what this is about. And Eisenhower warned about it, you know, 60 years ago. He was the last president who knew the lies coming out of the Defense Department and they couldn't challenge him because he won D-Day and he's the Supreme NATO commander. But once he went, nothing. Just blew up. They just pushed every president over 
and they get whatever budget they want, and this is where we are. And we are to why we run in $2 trillion budget deficits every year. You know, uh, before we go to break and we talk about the tragedy around the world, you mentioned in your book that the snake bites back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. And, and that's, the, that's how they get you. That's how they, they, they either bite back with venom or they bite back Who's with, the snake? with an offer. The deep state. Okay. The defense okay. industrial complex. Yes. We'll give you a $10 million payday. We'll give your company the next defense contract. We'll give you the next health and human services contract. Or they villainize you because you can't be bought. They say, you, Cash Patel, we're going to sue you. We're going to investigate you. We're going to surveil you. We're going to make you spend millions of dollars in in court fees and lawyer fees, even though we know you did nothing wrong. And they do just that. And then they're going to leak it and publicize it and make you look like... And the press becomes a part of it, the PR campaign. Well, that's the biggest part that we didn't talk about. Yeah, that's what I want to lead up to. The press is an enabler. They're in bed with them. They get advertising dollars. I call them the fake news mafia. Because just like coordinated strikes by the defense industrial complex, the intelligence community and the law enforcement communities do it with the press. They leak sensitive information when it favors a narrative. We talked about it at the top of the show. Why all of a sudden now that the Washington Post doesn't want Joe Biden to be? Oh, president? they gave them the goods, but now they're trying to lie to the American public and just say, "Oh, it's time, it's time, it's time." No, they gave them the goods that shows, in my opinion, the criminal conduct of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden there and the cover-up. Yeah. And so the press is always involved. There is no deep state without the press. They are the biggest villain. And so the point he just made here is that the only reason the Washington Post is now advocating by not run again is because they know he's corrupt, that there's criminal activity, they have the files, yeah. and they don't want to embarrass him, they don't want to write about it, so they're putting the editorials out there, and what they're saying to him, get him out of there, so once you get him out there, then we're going to tell him he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know why people die, the worst thing, but at their funerals, they're the best thing that has ever walked the planet yeah. Earth. At the but, funerals, nobody says anything bad. But about the you. biggest corruption about Biden is he blew up Nord Stream One and Nord Stream Two. <laughs> it is clear as can be he did that. He said that's what he's going to do a week before the invasion, and then afterward, Blinkley and uh, and Victoria Nuland said this is wonderful. Now, now no, Bruce, Putin has no wedge and overrunning. When, when you say it, very few people hear it, but when the Washington Post says it, yeah. the world stands still. Yeah. listening to this week's episode.